And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show presented by Sling. Our long nightmare is almost over. It's Friday and on Saturday at noon, Austin P in Western Kentucky will kick it off. You thought I was going to say Nebraska Northwestern. Well, they will 30 minutes later. Chris Fanini from The Athletic joining me. Week zero is here, Chris. What, how are you going to celebrate the return of football? I'm going to celebrate by hanging out with your co-host, who's not here today, Ari Wasserman. I'll be at uh, the Chateau Wasserman to enjoy everything that's going on at week zero, just as we did a year ago, and you were there. I last was there. Year. I was. I'm so sad that I'm going to not be there. I, I'm going to have to. I, I'm going to have to zoom in. Like you just have me in yes. a corner on a screen somewhere. Yeah, we'll we'll get some honorary Heim barbecue like we did last year, oh. and uh, re- repeat everything. Hopefully, Nebraska doesn't have a repeat repeat performance of last year. Though. Yes, I think that's the scariest part for Nebraska fans is that they do not want to. If, if anybody's going to have to watch this happen, they don't want everybody to be watching like they were with the Illinois game last year, and that was. I mean, that was, we were just hammering the panic button after that game. Yes. I can't yes. even imagine. I'm trying to imagine what those fans will be like if they, because I think there's extra psychological damage if it's if it's Northwestern, because that's the one Big Ten team they beat last year. Yes. I feel like that will send them over the edge. Yes. And based on Nebraska's schedule, you're going to have to get all those wins you can before November. So yeah. Northwestern in week zero is one of those ones you got to have. And if you don't have it, yeah, there's going to be a panic button. And I think for good reason at that point. Yeah, it's it, it is the talk radio situation in, in Nebraska, which always always lively and competitive will be off the charts if they don't win this game. Uh, if they do win this game, there still will be questions. But I think it'll probably calm it down uh, later in the show. By the way, we're going to have Mitch Sherman, our Nebraska beat writer in our what to watch for segment and of course what to watch for presented by sling is nebraska northwestern on fox but we got a few other games but before we talk about them i want to talk about a story that you and matt fortuna teamed up on in the athletic you you created these college football coaching tiers and basically nick saban is in a tier all by himself if if you heard the discussion on the show the other night as he should be and then you rank everybody else, and this was fascinating to me. I I like the 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 tier below Saban. I, I thought the criteria were great because it's it's basically the coaches who've taken teams to the playoff or to a national title, and Kyle Whittingham, who has led a team to an undefeated season, has 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 been consistently good, took a team from the Group of Five to the Power Five, and actually won that Power Five league's title. So that's a that's a heck of a group. I think I know where you got the most pushback, though. (laughs) 
So you you yes. go to tier tier two, and you got some uh, a lot of pretty proven coaches. Your Mike Leeches, your Lane Kiffins, your Dana Holgerson's, Mike Gundy's, James Franklin's. You go to tier three, and the, in, in tier three, you're listed alphabetically. So the third guy on the list, Dave Aranda from Baylor, head coach of the defending Big Twelve champs. How much venom came from Waco for putting Dave Aranda in tier three and not tier two? Yeah, that was the biggest pushback. Dave Aranda and Mel Tucker, both being tier three instead of tier two. Ultimately, this is not meant to be predictive. I think Dave Aranda is going to do a great job at Baylor and has. Mel Tucker is obviously going to do a great job at Michigan State. This is meant to be a ranking based on the full body of work. And we wanted to not have recency bias for one, but also take into account the entire body of work. And longevity is the difference. Dave Aranda and Mel Tucker have had one very good season. They also have had one or two not good seasons. Right. Baylor was terrible. Baylor was terrible in 2020. So was Michigan State. Yeah, Michigan State lost to Rutgers in 2020. Michigan State lost to Rutgers in uh in, in 2020. So they're on their way. And so somebody we we quoted in the story was like, look, if you're talking upside, I'd put Mel Tucker in one B. Like, like you get that, but we yeah, wanted so you to put be, it. You, you, that, and that's the Dabo uh, Lincoln Riley group. Yeah. So like it's that this isn't meant to be like predictive of where we think they're going to be. It's going to be based on just what they've done right now. And if you look at tier two, all the coaches in there have been at their schools or have been a head coach for a long time. You know, uh, David Shaw, Mark Stoops, Mike Gundy, PJ Fleck. Matt Kirk Ferentz, Kirk Ferentz, like these are guys who have done it for a long period of time, which is very, very hard to do. Not to say that the other guys can't, but that's when we got the most pushback. And I understand why, but I do think that Matt and I were consistent with what we put a premium on throughout these rankings. And I can, I can stand by that. So I, I this just popped into my head because I'm trying to figure out how quickly these things can change. Like you mentioned, Aranda and Tucker clearly have huge upside. There's a chance they're viewed two, three years from now in a much different light. But if they have bad years, they also could be viewed in, in, a, in a much different light. Where would Dan Mullen have ranked this time last year? Tier two, probably, right? I, I, I got to pull up his record. I mean, he, he he did make what he did make the SEC championship game mm-hmm. multiple times. He, yeah, he had double once. digit wins, double yeah. digit wins at Florida the first two seasons there. Yeah. He he would be okay. I'm looking at this and, now. and then yeah, he, obviously he overachieved at Mississippi State. Yeah, tier two w- w- without a doubt. And and yeah, he he took he went to a Peach Bowl, an Orange Bowl, and a Cotton Bowl at Florida. Like that's not playoff, but that's very good. And obviously. 69-46 at Mississippi State is, is very good. He would, I think he would certainly be tier two. But the fact that he got fired for be while being in tier two is a testament to what that job is and what the expectations are. Not every job is created equal. Yeah. That's that's what's interesting to me because I'm going down tier two and I'm like, there's no chance anybody here, no matter how bad their season is, is getting canned. Like nobody's nothing's gonna happen to Paul Christ at Wisconsin. <laughs> You know, nothing, nothing's going to happen to Kirk Ferentz. Nothing's no. going to happen to 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 Lane Kiffin. Nothing's going to happen to to Pat Narduzzi. Like these are all people who've been successful, 
And if they, even if they have a little bit of a down year, they're going to get a, a little grace in that. Uh, but it is, it is interesting because that, and, and I think it's, you mentioned that in your description of tier one B tier one B is, is the folks just below Saban, which is Ryan Day, Luke Fickle, Jimbo Fisher, Jim Harbaugh, Brian Kelly, Lincoln Riley, Kirby Smart, Dabo Sweeney, Kyle Whittingham. For the most part, those are the programs that expect huge things. And if you don't deliver them, you're, you're in trouble. Utah and Cincinnati are kind of the outliers there. But, I mean, LSU is a great example. Brian Kelly sitting there. He's there because the guy who won the national title three seasons ago is not there anymore. Yep. I, I think that is every coach. I, may, I think that's every coach who has made the playoff is in one A. Who's still one working. B. Wow. Yeah, who's still working. Yeah. Yeah, so and then, that, that's and then, the that's the bar. That's the bar, and obviously we we also got a lot of pushback on. Hey, why is Jim Harbaugh in the same level of Kirby Smart and Dabo? Like, yes, at the top of tier one B are those two guys. Dabo's won multiple national championships. Kirby just did, but we 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 did it in five and a half, but five tiers because that's what the athletic did with quarterback NFL quarterback tiers with NBA player tiers. So we just, we tried to be consistent and did it to five. You can stretch I, it out to seven. You could stretch out to whatever, but we, we tried to keep it within a, a, a clean number and then just kind of an exception for Nick Saban. I like the tiers better than, than just straight up rankings because, and you have to do that. You do this with, you've done this with the, where you rank the FBS teams one through one thirty. It's very hard once you get past about 15 to, to see the differences between a lot of these things. And so this this feels better where you can find kind of those bright line spots to to, to draw a line and and say this this situation is very different from this situation. But you know it, it feels to me, Chris, and, and this is something that, that you get very busy on once the coaching carousel kicks into high gear where when, when a job opens up, you're, you're always explaining what the pluses and minuses of the job are and, and who fits in, in what role. But I feel like I don't have a huge list this year beyond, say, Scott Frost and a few other people of obvious hot seat people. It's, it, it doesn't feel like there's obvious hot seat people, but I look at last year and some of the things that happen and think, well, I mean, I don't, I have no idea. Brian Harson obviously is another hot, right. obvious yes. one, but you look at last year and, and you think, well, how could this have happened? You know, how, how could these jobs have opened? And in, in Mullen's case, it was, he's fired after some really successful seasons, but they were looking forward trajectory wise. They didn't feel good. And then you also had Oklahoma's coach leave and Notre Dame's coach leave. Like, yes, last how, year, what last year was once in like a century type stuff. Like, it yeah. had literally been almost a hundred years since a Notre Dame coach left for another college job. It had been eighty something years since an Oklahoma coach left for another college job. But that's what happened when USC opened up and when LSU opened up, and obviously Florida opens up. It, it all almost like all of almost all of the biggest jobs opened up in one year and that created a trickle down effect. And I don't think that's going to happen this year. Nebraska could open Auburn could open guys could go to the NFL, you know, undoubtedly, but last year was tied for the biggest we'd ever had or something like that in terms of number of changes. I don't think it's going to be as big, but there are always a couple of surprises 
that you just don't see coming. Well, and, and so I'm curious if you think what happened with Lincoln Riley and Brian Kelly is, is an outlier or is that potential not a new normal because that's never going to be normal. But the idea of a destination job, has that changed? Yes. Are there? Okay. Yeah, I mean, you could look, like, even five years ago, Brian Kelly would talk about how he didn't think he was going to be at Notre Dame much longer just because coaches don't stay at Notre Dame that long. I, I don't know if it's Mike Leach or whoever said it, but it's like, after 10 years, like, your approval rating can only go down. Like, like you 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 wear out your welcome at some Steve point. Steve Spurrier so said that all the time. Yeah, it, it's just, it, it happens. So you're not going to see guys staying at these jobs as long as you used to, in part because just the wear and tear of the job. People need fresh starts. People may want to go to the NFL. You look at Brian Kelly going to LSU was unique for a lot of reasons, but like I just said, Brian Kelly on his way out, not the biggest surprise. Lincoln Riley going Oklahoma to USC. At the time, that was going to be a Pac-12 job, and the path to the college football playoff seemed quite easy. That has since changed with the coming Big Ten move, but that's it's LA, you know, Ari's not here to talk about it, but he said it plenty of times why USC is a bit of an appealing job to somebody. Uh, we've seen the pictures of Lincoln Riley's mansion. So, but, but in general, no, I, I don't think we're going to see guys at jobs for 15 years. Like we used to shoot. I mean, like two thirds of college coaches have been there for like less than five years. That's yeah. just the, na- it's the nature of the business now. Yeah. That that's, what's amazing to me. And like, you know, Ferentz staying as long as he has, Kirk Ferentz was hired a few days after Bob Stoops got hired at Oklahoma. I mean, that feels like another yeah. lifetime. Yeah, it really, really, I mean, Bob Stoops has since come back twice to the SFL, retired, <laughs> put out a tequila line, done all kinds of stuff. But Kirk <laughs> Ferentz is still there doing the same thing at Iowa that he did in 1999. And it's good for him. I mean, we're not here at Kirk Ferentz to the NFL anymore. No, uh, but he, he's still getting enough. He's still getting a big contract extensions out of it anyway. So good for him on that, I guess. Yeah, th- that's the thing about this is is now we've got these huge guaranteed contracts. Like at your alma mater, Mel Tucker's not going anywhere. He's well, just not. Oh, you think it, you, it, if he's good, I, could he go to the NFL? That maybe. I think he could go to the NFL at some point. I don't. I, okay. I think it's very unlikely he leaves for another college job. His, his contract at Michigan State is all. I think the exact same parameters that Brian Kelly got at LSU: ten years, ninety-five million dollars. So like. He could have gone to LSU. He didn't. And I, but I think he knows what he can build at Michigan State. I do think the NFL is probably somewhere he wants to go. And he got that massive contract, massive guaranteed contract. The buyout didn't change. It is very easy for him to leave still if he wants to leave. I don't think it's coming anytime soon necessarily, but I don't think he's going to be there for the, in, for the, duration of that contract just like i don't think any of these coaches who sign 10-year deals are going to be there for the duration of their contract we'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night yep you heard that right you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Do you think it's tilted more now toward the coach leaving of their own volition? Because like, when I said he's not going anywhere, my mind was immediately th- was thinking they can't fire him. And yes. you were thinking, oh, but he can leave. And and it's funny because I, I've got to retrain my brain to think that way. Yes. It's, it's some of the, not all the contracts are the same. Like Jeff Trailer got a 10-year deal at UTSA, but his buyout is very big for a couple of years. So I don't think he's, it'd be difficult for him to go somewhere right away. But Mel Tucker's buyout didn't change. Some uh, James, James Franklin's, he'll be there for a few years before it, becomes cost advantage to, to get out. But uh, yeah, that, the, the, you got to think about the buyout. There, there's two different buyouts. There's the buyout to fire the coach and there's the buyout to leave. Sometimes they're the same. Sometimes they're very different. Sometimes mm-hmm. they're very big and you don't think it's going to change. That's why nobody thought Mario Cristobal was going to go to Miami because it was like, I don't remember the exact number, like five or $7 million to, just to get him out of the Oregon contract. Right, but but Miami put together all the money and and did it. That so that is uh, that that's why there's multiple numbers to kind of think about when you think about a coach's future. Well, and that's like the Florida State situation. They paid Willie Taggart's buyout to get him out of Oregon. They paid Willie Taggart's buyout to fire him. They had to pay Mike Norvell's buyout to get him out of Memphis. And that pro- all of those expenditures may be keeping Mike Norvell safe. They're still paying Willie Taggart. Yeah, yeah, because because Mike Norvell has has not done I think what they would hope, but my guess is he gets a longer leash just, just because they can't really afford to do anything different because of what the situation they got themselves into. Yeah, I don't I don't remember the exact number, but I'm pretty sure it's more than ten million dollars. Uh, it is. If it, they want to fire him. Yeah. So it's it and and Florida State is not school with a ton of money to be able to do that they're not in the sec they don't have sec money they are doing a bunch of facilities upgrades at the moment which are much needed but they really 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 don't want to fire him if they don't have to so they're very much hoping florida state gets to a bowl game this year yeah they're they're hoping it works and you know it's i do think that's probably a, a better situation to be in than than say auburn where you know there are people in the power structure actively working against you as the coach, like, yes, uh, the, so, like I mean, Nebraska- speaking of, I mean, speaking of money to buy out a coach, 
the money that Gus Malzahn got at, 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 at Auburn to, to fire him was ridiculous. He got half of that up front. I don't know. It total more than it was more than $10 million. 20 and a half million dollars. He got a uh, total 20 and a half million when they're it, done paying him. And they gave Brian Harson the exact same buyout clause, the exact same percentage 30 days, you get half of it and it's 80% guaranteed or something like that. They gave him the exact same. They didn't learn anything from it, which was <laughs> baffling. It, it it reminds me of one of my favorite Simpsons lines at the at the end. Homer says, "I haven't learned a thing." <laughs> it, it 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 is amazing though, and you know how how frustrating would that be if you're an Auburn fan to start this season? Because it you know they they've got one of the toughest schedules in America. Now they do start with five straight home games. Penn State's one of those, but I mean, I, how hard would it be to get up for this season? given everything that's happened. It, it, it's tough. I, I'm curious, you know, there hasn't, I, I wondered if when Brian Harson survived that, if there would be a massive fan rallying around him like they did Tommy Tuberville. That kind of didn't happen, and I think recruiting is probably a reason for that. But if they, you know, if they start off pretty well, um, if they beat Penn State, it'd be tough, but if they beat Penn State, um you could see things swing back, I think, in a big way because just like any fan base does, if you win a bunch of games at the beginning, then then they're all then they're all in on you. So that's why the start of the season is so important for Brian Harson. And if you lose that Penn State game, you worry if things could kind of spiral. Yeah, I think they do like I think the rank and file Auburn fan likes Brian Harson, likes the way he responded to all this. I don't think they love the way he recruits, but they are probably looking for reasons to root for him. And, and I think you're right. I think that's, that's the thing. You've got to win those games. Otherwise they'll just bail because college football fans will defend almost anybody to the ends of the earth if they're winning. And then the second you're not winning anymore, all of a sudden, all the little imperfections come out. So this is, this is going to be a a wild season. I, I am just fascinated by this, Chris, because I feel like we know less about the teams going into this season than we've ever known about teams. I, I, I agree. I mean, I, I think the transfer part has made a huge factor in that. We've got the backyard brawl next Thursday. We've oh, got can't wait. And we've got quarterbacking both teams, former USC quarterbacks. You've got JT Daniels coached by Graham Harrell of West Virginia against Keaton Slovis at Pitt. I don't know how any of those people are going to look. It's a completely new system that that they're that they're they both have new offensive coordinators so like i don't really know what it's going to be i just i the, the 131 rankings came out today and you know one two and three is fine but you could make a case for a dozen teams to be number four the the, the difficult part about doing a top 10 is you have to include 10 teams and <laughs> yes it, 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 and i don't and we really don't know and like i put out these rankings i'm not like hard defending any of this stuff because I know it's going to change and I'm excited for it to change. I sometimes I hope I'm wrong because I don't want it to be as predictable as maybe it could be. And that's why the college football playoff is, is at this point should not be the be all end all for fans. If you're an Ohio state, Alabama, Georgia fan, Clemson fan. Yes. But there is so much more going on this season. The PAC 12 is wide open. The ACC could be wide open. The, the Big, Big 12, 12 feels is pretty. The Big open. 12 is wide open. Yeah. The Group of Five spot is wide open now with Cincinnati coming back down. So, like, I'm really excited about the season, and I have no idea what to expect. And that is that's an awesome feeling. 
Yeah, I, I the results we get for that first month, I think they're just going to, there would be some mind-blowing things that then when we look back in November, we're like, oh, maybe we shouldn't have been so surprised about that. But the part, I can't even figure out where it's going to come from. Like, I have an idea of who might be kind of undervalued. Like, it feels like Minnesota might be a little undervalued this year. Uh, I think NC State, people understand that this is a, a very good team coming back, that Devin Leary is a great, great quarterback, but it's not, there's not that many trendy, you know, this team's definitely going to be on the rise this year. Well, I, I, you know, Kansas state is a popular sleeper, but yes. I don't know if they're a sleeper anymore after Stuart Mandel picked them to win the big 12 and go 10 and two. <laughs> okay. Let's talk about, let's talk about that. Stuart, Stuart Mandel's yes. big 12 predictions were wild. Now the, the K state one. Yes. I, I've done, you know, I, I work for SiriusXM and, and work on some of the conference channels quite a bit. So I've done a lot of Big 12 radio this summer. I understand exactly why K-State is the sleeper pick. I agree with all of that stuff. Personally, I think Oklahoma is going to win the league. I think Dylan Gabriel is going to put up huge numbers in Jeff Levy's Thank offense. I, yep. I think defensively, they're going to look different than, than what you're used to because they got a guy who has a very different philosophy in Brent Venables than Alex Grinch had. So... That said, Stewart had Texas going two and seven in conference play. <laughs> he had Kansas going three and six in conference play. I got to know what three wins those are. I mean, I assume one of them is Texas. Is Texas? Again. Yes. They they got to go to they got to go to Lawrence this year. We saw Oklahoma uh, barely made it out of Lawrence alive a yep. year ago, right? So, oh, I it think- was uh, look look credit to Stu for for taking a risk. Being out there, it's I not the shock. I do the one thirty-one. I have Oklahoma in the top ten, but I got Northern Illinois fans mad at me that I put them in the seventies or something like that. So that's nothing compared to what Stu was getting yesterday. For we well, didn't mention it, but he had Oklahoma going seven and five. He did. That, that, yes, that that was that, the other big piece of that. That was the one that set everybody off. And look, Stu has been consistent. He didn't have Oklahoma in his way too early top twenty-five. Right. I think he put him at 25, maybe at the end of the most recent one, but like he's been consistent with not thinking Oklahoma is going to be good this year. I disagree. You disagree, but at least credit to Stu for being consistent uh, on that and standing behind it. But yes, it was kind of wild to see the, the, the total standings there. TCU at the bottom, Kansas above Texas. I'm trying Uh, to game the Texas thing out. Like if that actually happened, what happens with Arch? Would Sark keep his job? Like, how, how would that all shake out? I don't, and I don't know what Texas is going to be. I don't think they're going to be that bad, uh, but I'm not entirely sure they're going to be good either. So, right. like it, that that part of it is is really interesting because Arch feels like the best kind of insurance, but then he could also at some point be like, "Huh, this is really weird." <laughs> and Georgia still wants me, and they seem pretty consistent. Yeah, that's, I mean, you and Ari talked about it a lot. Like, how, how bad does it have to be for Sark to keep his job? People I've talked to think he's pretty safe for that reason. Look, look, Bijan got hurt last year. That, that impacted where things were. They tried to address the offensive line issue by bringing in a ton of recruits on that line. So, like, they have attempted to make the fixes. They've got really talented wide receivers. We just got to see, can Quinn Ewers be the guy, and can they tackle? That's that's what it's going to come down can to. Can they block is, is 
my big well, question. Yes, that well, they got like I said, they they got they may start two freshmen on the line, I think potentially, but but they got some five star offensive linemen in there that that they're going to be leaning on potentially. So there are questions, um, but six and six, seven and five seems more than doable, I think, and that and that, and that would obviously be enough. I think so too, and it. I said I, I said six and six would be fine, not good, not not what you want. Uh, when I was on a podcast with my guy Anwar Richardson from Orange Bloods, and the Texas fans that were were watching live went berserk. Like, <laughs> how dare you suggest we might go six and six? I'm like, listen, if Arch is coming and you got good young offensive linemen who could develop into very good players over the next few years, like that's fine. That yeah. Trajectory wise, that's fine. It's not that bad, but you got you got to remember what Texas has been for the last decade. Yeah, like it's not they're like middle of the pack in the Big Twelve, like yeah. in, in general. Like it's not like we always joke about Texas being back or whatever, but like they've just they've been an average program for a long time now, and it's not unreasonable to think that six and six coming off of a five and seven season right. is realistic. So, well, it it is going to be amazing. Those games, we are less than a week out from from week one games. Those those start Thursday. We got week zero games, Chris, and uh, our our partners at BetMGM have have put out the lines for these games. I don't know that there's any that just jumps off the page, but let's let's talk about Northwestern and Nebraska first. Nebraska is a 13 and a half point favorite. I, I do feel bad for the people making lines early in the season this year for the same reason yeah. we just talked about. Nobody knows anything. Uh, Chris, you've covered enough Big Ten football to know that Pat Fitzgerald doesn't usually have two bad years in a row. No. So the fact that Nebraska is almost a two touchdown favorite here kind of scares me a little bit. Look, like we've said it a million times, Nebraska went three and out and they outscored their opponents. That was because they destroyed Northwestern right. last year. So that's that's a part of it as as well. And your, your point about not having two bad years for Northwestern. Here, here are their records since 2018. Nine and five division champs, three and nine, seven and two division champs, three and nine. So it's like Big Ten championship or you're three and nine well, over the last four years. And I, I'm not picking them to win the the, uh, the, the West, Big Ten West, yeah. Big Ten West by any means. But they're probably going to be better because he usually fixes things. So I'm 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 on Northwestern here to cover. Um, and like we, you know, if it's straight up, if Northwestern wins, and like we said at the beginning, then Nebraska fans throw it into a panic. But that that's a lot of points. <laughs> yes, that's a ton of points. And. Um, with Nebraska, I'll believe it when I when I see it. And I know we saw it against Northwestern. I know. But 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 um I got faith in Northwestern covering, I think, at this point. So one more that that jumped out to me. Vanderbilt, a seven and a half point favorite at Hawaii. I've been watching videos of the Vandy players enjoying Hawaii. And this is one of those things that like my lizard brain can't help but go here when I'm watching this. Cause like if it were my kid on the Vandy football team and they had a game at Hawaii in week zero, I would want them to go out early and enjoy Hawaii too. I, I would want that to, to be part of the experience. I can just imagine though, if they lose this game, what people are going to say, I can't believe you guys were out in a field when you could have been practicing. 
I don't think that's yes. how Vandy fans sound. They... <laughs> no, probably not. <laughs> but <laughs> but look, look, it, it, it does help that it's week zero that you can get out there early and, and not only enjoy yourself, but also the body clocks, you know, mm-hmm. the, the time difference. It's not like you're going to Hawaii at the end of the year, like we've seen with some teams and they, they stumble. Um, but this is tough. Hawaii, they went to two straight bowls the last two years, but they fired Todd Graham and all of their good players left before right. Todd Graham got fired. That's what part of the reason he got fired. It, it was a mess. Timmy Chang, new head coach, comes in. and Hawaii legend. Know, Hawaii legend. You guys, you, We all probably remember watching him staying up late in the early 2000s, set the NCAA passing records back then. He's the head coach now. And there's a lot of excitement and everything around him and him being there, but the team has to completely rebuild. They lost everybody. So it's like that mix of new head coach, not sure what to expect versus Vanderbilt who lost to an FCS team last year going six hour time difference. Like, like I have no idea what to expect out of this game. I think I'm leaning Hawaii at this point, just because of the fundamentals, the, the East, uh, the, 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 SEC team traveling out to the islands week zero. I, I lean Hawaii, but it's it's tough. It's tough. Yeah, the seven and a half point spread helps you lean Hawaii pretty pretty hard. Yes, that's a that's a pretty big spread. I I feel like for this game. So that's it. And, and again, actually, yeah. And one other thing about Hawaii, actually, um, this game is on CBS Sports Network. Enjoy it because oh. this is the only Hawaii game. That is on national television this year. Wow. Uh, Stuart Mandel actually pointed this out to me a couple days ago and I looked into it. All of their home games, uh, I'm sorry, Hawaii home games. Mm-hmm. All of the rest of their home games are on Spectrum Sports pay-per-view, which is the only way you can watch it on the islands. You got to do pay-per-view. I think it's 300 bucks for the year. And sometimes other networks will pick up the games to do them on the mainland. It, it happened mm-hmm. a number of times last year. San Diego State, Fresno State. San Jose State, but the home schedule this year sucks. Right, so, it's, a, it's a function of which Mountain West teams have to go out there. That it's yes, not so so Fox demand. and C- yeah, Fox CBS did not pick up any of the Hawaii games other than the Vanderbilt game. So the only way to watch Hawaii home games this year, if you're on the mainland, is going to be via the Team One Sports app, which you can get on your phone. It's on Roku and Apple TV, but people told me you can only watch Hawaii games on your phone. So if you're a real if you're a real late night college football fan, a real degenerate who's better. I was going to say, you game, can say degenerate gambler. It's okay on this yes, show. And, and you got to watch the Hawaii game late and you want to bet on it. You're going <laughs> to probably have to watch it on your phone. So just be prepared for that and, and look up for the, the team one sports app. It's a one with a one it's free. Uh, so you don't pay anything, but it's uh, you're going to have to go out of your way. And only the real college football sickos, I think, are going to be watching most Hawaii games this year. This is valuable information from Chris Vanini for a for a very specific segment of our audience, and I know that they appreciate it. Uh, Chris, <laughs> it's all starting. I'll I will not be with you and Ari in person on Saturday, but I will be with you in spirit and maybe on maybe on Zoom. Thank you so much. Yep, we're here. The games are here. Hallelujah. We'll be right back with Mitch Sherman, our Nebraska beat writer. He's in Dublin, but he hasn't had a Guinness yet. We'll be right back after these words. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now it's time for what to watch for. We all know what that is. Nebraska, Northwestern, from Dublin. And for the second time in the history of this show, we were going international. The first time, Chris Camrani was just surfing in Mexico. We couldn't even get, get, get video of him because the internet was so bad. Internet much better in Ireland. Mitch Sherman, our Nebraska beat writer, joins us. Mitch, how many times have you vomited this practice? <laughs> I saw some of practice today for Nebraska outside of Aviva Stadium. There is a practice field, saw Northwestern practice, well, come out of practice, and then was granted the opportunity by Nebraska to watch a few minutes of practice, and I can report that there were no vomits. So that's a step in the right direction. We are now one week removed from Scott Frost mentioning on the radio that Nebraska players, offensive linemen, vomit 15 to 20 times per practice in an attempt to this was an attempt to compliment them he later walked back this statement saying it was an exaggeration and he was simply trying to praise the offensive linemen for the hard work that they were i assumed that they, that he that was, they were putting in i assumed that he was joking at the time mitch because it, it seemed mm-hmm. the number seemed a little outrageous uh but it was funny because even in like 1989, like saying that in training camp would not have been a good thing. Even even at our most barbaric times in terms of of training, doing that that would be a a compliment in February, but not in August. If that makes sense, I think well, right because they should be in better shape than that. Not to mention, it's a it's a unhealthy way to do anything to, to, uh, I had a hard time even processing what he was trying to say when it all, when it all came out on, on Thursday night last week. I, I think that Scott Frost is so secure in his feelings about the job that the Nebraska, and I, and I say this in all seriousness, the job that the Nebraska medical staff and the training staff does that it didn't cross his mind that this might come across as something that could be unhealthy for his players. Right. They are not vomiting 15 to 20 times per practice. I think it was more than just a little exaggeration. So best just, for Nebraska that everyone move on, which we are not doing here. Well, it, it, that's the thing. All anybody's been able to do is talk. And you have this situation where everybody knows the clock is ticking, the buyout drops in October, 
the athletic director has made clear. I, there's a quote in, in your story in the athletic on Thursday from Trev Alberts that you you used before, but basically him saying the the, the empirical data says this usually doesn't work. Yeah. Like that, but that and and that's the thing. All they've been able to do is talk about this. So I give everybody involved somewhat of a pass because we're just nitpicking every single thing that gets said. What happens on the field in Dublin will be the first bit of real data toward is this going to work long-term or not? Right. And I, I went back and dug up that old comment from November and then Albert's actually said it again in an interview. I don't know that I would have gone back necessarily and written about that today here, 48 hours before the opener, if he hadn't doubled down on that comment. But he did in July when I sat in his office with him. and It was a similar comment to what he made in November, right as Alberts decided to retain Frost or announced the decision to retain Frost for the 2022 season. And, and like you said, Andy, it was an admission that this thing doesn't usually work. And in saying that, Trev laid out the reasons why he believes it can for Scott Frost, but that's not backed by evidence. It's only backed by emotion and his desire for Frost to get this done. You can say one thing about Trev Alberts when it comes to Scott Frost. That's a, a truly a positive and that this is an athletic director who is rooting for his coach. We've seen instances in the past at Nebraska where the athletic director was not necessarily rooting for his coach, including notably the past two times that Nebraska has fired a coach with deep roots to this program, Bo Pelini and Frank Solich. Both of them worked for athletic directors who most definitely were not rooting for them at the end of their tenures, if, in fact, they were rooting for them at all in Steve Peterson and, and Sean Eichor. So we're dealing with something different with Trevor Alberts, and I think that matters, not just to Frost, but I think it matters to the players and the assistant coaches, and it impacts the way that Nebraska can, can enter this season on Saturday in Dublin against Northwestern. There is pressure unquestionably more pressure than I think what you'll find on a run-of-the-mill Power 5 football team, but it's not the same kind of feeling around the program that Solich experienced in his last year in 03 and that Pelini did in 2014 before he was fired. Well, and that's good because that at least means there's no excuse. Every Everybody's pulling in the same mm -hmm. direction, and if it doesn't work, then it, everybody tried. You can say everybody tried. Nobody was trying to nuke them. And many changes have been made. You you went through in your story in the Athletic uh, uh, some examples of, of where this has happened and sometimes this works. And like It's interesting because very recently in the Big Ten, we have seen it work. We saw it work with Jim Harbaugh where he mm -hmm. made a lot of staff changes coming off a terrible season got his pay cut in half, got his buyout cut, and wound up winning the Big Ten. Uh, we saw it work with Brian Kelly after 2016 at Notre Dame, where he, I, I've never seen a program change so much without firing the head coach. They wound up becoming much better. But to your point, it's much more common to see something like Justin Fuente at Virginia Tech last year, like Les Miles at LSU in, in 2016, where the coach survives, the AD's like, yeah, we're going to give you another shot. And then it just, it still doesn't work. Most alarming for Frost is the comparison that I found that actually matches up the best 
in terms of the record and the performance by the coach in the years before this do or die season occurred is Tyrone Willingham at Washington. Oh yeah. Three losing seasons, including a four and nine season in 2008, seven or eight, I believe it's 2008. And then zero and 12 the next year, the bottom fell out. He lost the team. And now I don't expect that to happen in Nebraska, but the Willingham frost comparison, it's more relevant then I think anyone who follows the Nebraska program would like to admit. So there were a bunch of changes and, and I'm, I'm fascinated by what we're going to see on the field because Adrian Martinez has gone to Kansas state. We, uh, we liquefied some steak in his honor on Wednesday's show. It was glorious. Uh, but right, Casey, because that's how he, that's how he, that's how he consumed food after the broken he, jaw. Good, good, good. How he derived his nourishment. That's exactly right. And so, uh, Casey Thompson takes over Casey Thompson last seen at Texas, Mark Whipple, the new offensive coordinator last seen helping Pittsburgh win an ACC title last year with a first round quarterback in Kenny Pickett. Yeah, I, I'm laughing because it, it, we started this with, with an example of a head coach and me not knowing whether he was kidding or not. Same thing with Pat Narduzzi and, and Mark Whipple. Pat Narduzzi mm. ripping Mark Whipple on the radio. I, I'm using air quotes when I say ripping. Uh, he threw too much. But he threw you to an ACC title with a first-round quarterback. Right. So, I again, not sure if he's kidding, how much he's kidding or not. But I am really curious what this offense is going to look like because this was Scott Frost's offense. You know, even though he had offensive coordinators, this was his offense that he had he had developed at Oregon, brought to UCF, brought to Nebraska. What Mark Whipple does or has done in the past at Pitt and at UMass has been different. What's this going to look like on the field? I think it's going to look quite a bit like what Pitt did last year. There will be some frost influence. Absolutely. He's going to have an impact on the offense, but he's looking forward. And he said this today, uh, Thursday in Dublin. The last opportunity for Frost to make public comments about how this opener is going to go, what his role is going to be in the offensive execution Saturday. And, and he said he's looking forward to being able to spend time with the special teams to be able to walk around and 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 get involved in the defense. If that's something that he needs to do His court, his defensive coordinator, Eric Chenander coaches from above from the booth. So, Frost can help there. Now, there are, of course, defensive assistants down on the field, but um, Whipple's going to be there. He's going to be with the quarterbacks on the sidelines, calling the plays, designing the structure of this offense. Frost, of course, is going to have final say on big decisions like every head coach does, but this is it's, it's no longer the Oregon-turned-UCF-turned-Nebraska system that really has just not taken hold in Lincoln for Nebraska the way everyone envisioned it would when Frost took this job in December of 2017. There have been too many turnovers, too much inefficiency, difficulty scoring in the red zone. You know, it it, it just hasn't mixed with the Big Ten. And here's an opportunity for Nebraska to reset, to go to Whipple, let him do his thing. And, you know, the season – largely rides on that. The offense has to improve. It's got to be better. It needs to be more efficient at doing the little things that win football games in the Big Ten because I think the defense 
despite losing a lot of star power after last season, is going to hold up its own and give Nebraska a chance to win games. Well, and and that's that's the thing. This the offense gets better. Maybe the special teams gets better. As mm-hmm. as we talked about when when you were on the show in May, they now have a dedicated special teams coach. They did not before. Special teams were a big problem for them the past few years. Last year, especially Michigan State, Iowa, you know it, the the gaffes kind of piled up on them. How much does does Scott Frost being able to kind of act globally help with that? I think it makes a difference when the head coach pays attention. And Scott Frost admittedly has let his assistant coaches handle the special teams over the previous four seasons and not only let it go to the assistant coaches, but also he has not assigned that role to one coach. It's been an outside linebackers coach um, or another outside linebackers coach, or it's been an analyst uh, in, in the, the one year 2019 that got Nebraska into trouble with the NCAA for too many coaches on the field. Amazing still to think that Nebraska got slapped with probation and Scott Frost faces a five day suspension at some point this season. That's a day, five days. So it will occur likely during a bye week. Amazing that that came as a result of the coaching that was being done with the special teams units, which were the worst in the Big Ten, one of the worst in all of Power Five foot and all of the FBS. So it's changed. And now Bill Bush is here and he's a proven assistant coach. He's done it at Nebraska. He's done it at LSU and other places. And he is all over the details. Um, Bill Bush is, is paying attention to every little thing that has to do with the Nebraska special teams and, and his job starts and ends with the kicking game and, and the coverage units and, and all the things that make a special teams uh, unit strong. So I do think they're going to be improved, but I think Frost's influence on it will be somewhat minimal. He 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 will be more involved because he has time to do that without running the offense. But Bill Bush is the driving force behind what has happened on special teams for Nebraska in this offseason. So they are playing the one Big Ten team they beat last year, and they pounded right. Northwestern last year. Uh I have a hard time believing that Pat Fitzgerald could have a bad defense two years in a row. That's that, you know, if he's got a body of work, it's that they tend to fix the issues that they have. So how, how nervous is Nebraska about this could look like a completely different team than the one they, they shredded last year. I think Nebraska knows that it will because of the history of the Nebraska Northwestern series, that game last year was, was an outlier. It was an anomaly. Um, not in the way that Nebraska played Nebraska came out and, and it played it's one of its best games of the year. It's hard to say in, entirely because of the competition and, and Nebraska played Ohio state close and played Michigan close. So, you know, I think that is more impressive than beating Northwestern, a bad North, a three win Northwestern team by seven touchdowns, but still it was a clean game and, and the Huskers didn't do the things that they did in just about every other game to beat themselves. That that Northwestern t- team in another week could have taken Nebraska down to the wire, I, I think. And it did some other teams, despite having what was a, a bad season for Pat Fitzgerald. So 
that's not going to happen again. Uh, Nebraska and Northwestern play close games. They play overtime games. They play dramatic uh, nail biters just about every year that they've met since Nebraska joined the Big Ten. So that's the kind of game I would expect. And I would expect that, yes, Northwestern is going to be better on defense. And with Cam Porter as a running back, he was injured for the game in Lincoln last year. It's going to be a run game that has a little bite. And that's the weakness, the number one weakness, I would expect, for Nebraska on the defensive side. And really, it could be the number one weakness for the entire team. We'll see about the offensive line. But Nebraska's ability to stop the run, because it could be a little bit soft in the middle, the front middle part of that defensive line. There's not the kind of depth and experience that Chenander wants there. So if Northwestern can come out and run the ball, shorten this game, take some of the athletes on the edge away from Nebraska by dictating the style, then, hey, it's going into the fourth quarter. And, and I, I feel like that's where we're headed. I think Nebraska has the better team, has the better athletes. but And, and I feel like Nebraska's in a better place as a program than it was a year ago as it, as it went into that Illinois game because there just hasn't been the same kind of drama and, and off the field storylines this season that, that we saw a year ago. And that's a credit to Scott Frost and Trev Alberts uh, and the captains and, and the new assistant coaches. They've, they've, they've done a nice job. Um, the vomit um, <laughs> mishap uh, <laughs> aside of, of getting this team re- in, in a good place to, to, to open the season. So um, I don't see anything like what happened at Illinois, at Illinois last year, but, but Northwestern's a team that can take, uh, take Nebraska well into the second half. All right, Mitch. So there's this game, they come back home, they get North Dakota, not North Dakota State, but but North Dakota, uh, Georgia Southern, obviously Oklahoma, then comes to Memorial Stadium, and then Indiana comes to Memorial Stadium on October 1st, and then, like magic, the buyout drops. What do they need to be at the end of that stretch for Scott Frost to feel comfortable going into the, the end of the season? Four and one. I. Yeah, I think, you know, it includes a win over Indiana um, on on buyout reduction day and a win against another Power 5 opponent in, in Northwestern or Oklahoma. Now, anybody can say which one of those two games is the most winnable, Northwestern or Oklahoma. I don't see a scenario where Nebraska loses Saturday in Dublin to Northwestern and then bounces back three weeks later to beat the Sooners. It could happen. They get games at home. That game was close a year ago, like all of them were in 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 Norman. Casey Thompson <laughs> scored a bundle of points against the Sooners last year. In a, his in his a dad's losing. alma mater, yeah. Right, it's a huge game for the the Thompson family. There are a lot of storylines around that uh, the the week that that OU comes to town, and not not to mention uh, the the storylines about the uh, the rivalry renewed. And this is the first game in Lincoln since since Nebraska left the, the the big 12 between these two teams. Uh, so yeah, they've got to be four and one. So they have to find a way to win, win this one on, on Saturday. That's, that's the only path to, to being four and one on October 1st. All right, Mitch, I think the question on everybody's mind, at least those of us who have not been lucky enough to, to travel to Ireland uh, for work or pleasure. Does the Guinness taste different over there? I will report to you after tonight. I have been, Andy, in Dublin for now about 32 hours, no, 30 hours. And 
sleep has been of it's it's been hard to come by um, as it was on the trip to Ireland and you know hey I've been working so one night here uh, the pub was not the place that I found myself but I've got two more before the game on Saturday and I can promise that I will get out and try some Guinness I can tell you this Dublin has exceeded far exceeded my expectations and and I came in expecting it to be a great town but this and it's my first time in Ireland, first time um, in Europe. I'm 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 loving Dublin. It is a really really um, has great energy. It's like a little bit of New Orleans, a little bit of Washington D.C. It's got some some college town feel to it. So it's it's great. I would I would encourage people whether they're going to watch a, an American college football game or not to check out Dublin and. Um, they're actually kind of excited about this game. They're, it's, they're, it's, not, it's not being whisked um, under, the, under the rug because it's, it's a couple of three and nine teams from last year. I, I think the, the novelty of having a college football game here in this, in this soccer stadium is, is enticing, interesting to uh, the Irish people. So good for them. And I hope a bunch of them come out and and just look for look to watch a a good football game. I know there'll be about ten to twelve thousand Nebraska fans in town by Saturday, and Northwestern is probably going to bring a couple thousand. So um, this game needs needs uh, needs some Irish people, and and I've even heard that that the uh, football fans in 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 England um, are known to to make the trip to over come on to, over to check check out a sporting event in Dublin or two. So um, looking forward to Saturday. Can't wait to see football again. I, I cannot wait. Mitch, as we record this, it is uh, it is midday here in the States. It's happy hour in Dublin. Go to the pub. Have fun. Talk to you soon.